So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end, where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift, and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes, but if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. Hello, Real Estate Rockstar Radio. This is Aaron Amuchastegui, today's host of the Real Estate Rockstar Podcast. I'm so excited today to be interviewing Jonathan Kaiser. He's the founder and thought leader behind Kaiser, the largest occupier services commercial real estate brokerage firm in Arizona. I'm going to give him a chance to tell us what that really means. What is the largest occupier services for commercial? But more excited, you know, Jonathan, I just finished watching some of your videos where you talk about, you know, kind of your theme of how you got into real estate. And one of your big taglines, you don't have to be ruthless to win. So this may be a little bit different than some of our uh, Rockstar Radio podcasts as we get to focus on commercial and some other, you know, uh, reinvention uh, type, type scenarios. But the, without further ado, Jonathan, why don't you just take a few minutes and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about, about yourself and what your business is. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So I had a very unusual upbringing compared to most people that are going to be listening. I was raised as a Christian missionary kid in Papua New Guinea. And from the ver my, a very early age, my parents were all about serving and helping other people. And that's how they taught me. The problem was when we came back from overseas, I had this stark realization that we were very poor compared to the people around us. And so at an early age, I decided I don't want to be poor. I want to be rich. I want to make money. I got into commercial real estate because a buddy of mine said, you want your own private jet someday? And I said, why, yes, I would. And he said, this would be perfect for you. So I kind of stumbled into real estate. I think like a lot of people probably on this call, they didn't wake up when they were you know, eight years old and say, I'm going to be in real estate. It just sort of happens. And as I got into commercial real estate brokerage, I realized really quickly, wow, this is a ruthless cutthroat industry. And everybody was scratching, clawing and fighting. And a lot of you listening can really understand that. And, you know, in the residential world, I understand it's like that. But if you can imagine in traditional commercial real estate firms, it's significantly worse. And so I became ruthless because I thought that's what it took. And I didn't want to be poor like my parents. So I figured that my parents teaching me to love and serve and help other people had it all kind of mixed up and had, had it the wrong way. So I became ruthless, but I was miserable. I was misaligned with my core values but I felt trapped. I didn't know that there was any other way to do it. And everybody that I saw that was around me that was really the top producers, you know, the real estate rock stars around me were ruthless. And then one day, 15 years ago, I go to this summit, this, this conference in Miami, Florida, and this guy gets up and he starts talking about creating success by helping other people succeed. 
And I was looking at him from the back of the room, trying to figure out if this guy was completely and utterly full of shit or if this guy was the real deal. And afterwards, I went up to him and I said, hey, is that really true? Do you really do this? Or is this just something you say as a nice shtick to sound good on, you know, in front of a group? And he said, no, I really do it. And I said, well, how does it work? And he likened it to hunting versus farming. And what he said is today, Jonathan, you're focused on hunting. You're focused on going out and getting you know, a kill and then coming back, cleaning it, cooking it, eating it, and then you have to go out and do it all over again. And what I'm describing is a, is a methodology where you invest in relationships, you invest in people, and he likened it to growing a tree. So like here in Arizona, I have a big citrus tree in my backyard. And when it was little, the thing I thought was dead half the time, it gave me no fruit, it was super delicate. I had to, you know, pound those little stakes in the ground to, to give it all the nutrients it needed and water it. And it didn't give me anything for years. But after a number of years today, the thing's almost a nuisance. It gives me so many lemons. I can't give them away fast enough. In fact, we throw a bunch of them away, right? And so it's this idea of investing in relationships that lead to successful futures. It's playing the long game. And so I was blown away. And I said, thinking I had him on the second question, I said, okay, if this, is, if this really works, then how come I've never heard of it? And he said, because it takes too long. And I said, well, how, does, how long is too long? And he said, it'll take you about five years. I said, okay. Yeah. So I said, basically, so I go broke for five years. And then on the other side of that, I'll have success if I follow your methodology. And he said, yes. And so yeah, I was so miserable being ruthless and being misaligned with my values and the idea that there might be a better way so I reinvented myself around me, just like he said. It took me five years in the process. Everybody thought I was crazy, thought I'd lost my mind. I mean, I was national rookie of the year for Grubman Ellis, and then now I'm out in the community looking like I'm doing community service for free all the time, helping people. And, but over time, I started really developing these relationships that were very, very valuable. And then after about five years, just like he predicted, I started to have success and people started to refer business to me. And that led to me going from laughing stock in the company. It just took off. Um, and I went to top producer. And now I had a different problem, which was I was feeling like the, that the culture I was trying to create was inconsistent with the culture of the organization I was building. And so in 2012, I had an epiphany moment where I realized that what I was up to was bigger than me. And if I could teach people how to do what I'd done, and if I could figure out how to shorten that time frame so people didn't have to endure five years of pain uh, and suffering to actually get to the other side, that we could actually do something really special and we could transform the commercial real estate brokerage industry. So we'd, I left my firm in, in 2012 and launched Kaiser in 2013 with the express focus of transforming both the commercial real estate world as well as business in general through this idea of succeeding by helping others succeed and proving that even in arguably one of the most ruthless cutthroat industries in the world, commercial real estate brokerage, you truly can create extraordinary success by helping others succeed. And so today, like you mentioned, today we're the largest occupier services, which is basically for, for you residential people out there. It's like the buyer tenant brokerage firm. So we only represent the corporate user of space. And we work all around the globe, um, helping organizations, everything from healthcare companies to retail uh, organizations looking to scale to office industrial healthcare. And what, what our focus is, is providing a different level of service than what they're used to receiving and, and really delivering value. But at the core, it's about thinking about people as family, loving and serving them. And over the long term, 
you can create success. And so I, I, I decided, hey, how do I help teach the world this? So I wrote the book, and that's where you don't have to be ruthless to win, right? It's this idea of success through selfless service. The subtitle is The Art of Badass Selfless Service. So sometimes I think selfless service can carry almost like a squishy or religious tone. So I wanted to yeah. make sure that people we're clear on what we're talking about here and it's i've been very honored that it hit number one on the wall street journal and so you know we're now i'm going around the country doing uh, tv interviews and and speaking on stages and doing you know great podcasts like this one and so it's just my my mission is i want to change the world i want to prove that you can create success through service and teach others how to do the same thing yeah, you know, I, I love how you just define that too. And, and for all the, the listeners out there, we'll put some links on our, on our website so you can get a copy of, of John's book. But being able to say that being kind isn't being weak. Like what you just said there at the end, like, you know, you don't have to be ruthless to win, like by helping people. But sometimes there's almost like a, a weak connotation to that. And you're, and, and you're, not, you're saying that's not it at all. No, not only is it not it, I believe that selfless service is actually the greatest business principle of all time. If you look back across history, every great philosopher, every great religious leader, every great anyone that really was enlightened said the same basic thing, which is give and you shall receive, help others and you could get you know, back for yourself. I think to, in today's culture, we have this dichotomy where people live it in their personal lives, right? They know how to love. Everybody knows how to love. You do it with your families, you do it with your inner social circles, you do it in your churches, whatnot. And then you get into, into business, you put on your tough suit and you feel like you got to go fight for number one and make it happen or else. And I think it's, it's, it's a shame. And I think that there's a, there's a better way. And if you, you look at a lot of the people in commercial real estate brokerage, I mean, they're miserable. They're looking over their shoulder all the time. They're feeling, they're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and burdened and they're having to feel like they have to scratch and claw and fight. And my whole philosophy is that's not necessary. I'm not saying it doesn't work. There's plenty of people out there proving that ruthless works, but I'm saying there's a lot of negative that comes on along with that. You know, when I give these keynotes, I talk a lot about culture and I talk a lot about how the people of the future are not going to accept the business practices of the past. And this command control style is dead. I was speaking at this event last night and it was all around culture and I had all these board members uh, there and they were all talking about how within their organizations, they are not hiring board members, executives, service providers that do not share the same sort of mindset. So to me, this idea of selfless service, it isn't a cute thing. It's not like something squishy that's like, oh, that's nice. Jonathan's saying some nice things. Yeah, I should do better. This isn't about doing the right thing because it's the right thing. We already know that and you either do it or you don't. What I'm saying is selfless service is the most self-interested strategy. And so I wrote the book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win, to teach people how to do it because I think the big gap is people don't know how. I think they get it conceptually, but they don't really know how to do it. And so in this book, I teach everything that I've learned over the last 20 years and how to create a culture of selfless service where you actually win, where you actually succeed, where you actually dominate. That's the point. Yeah. You know, I think the, I think a lot of our listeners are the, are, are residential real estate agents and we have a handful, we've had a handful of commercial people on here, but the, but let's, let's educate our listener for a little bit. So when you talk about, you know, commercial brokerages are, are ruthless, what's an example of something that it is very like short-sighted. It's not playing the long game. It's a short-sighted ruthless thing that you, that you used to see in a commercial brokerage. Great question. Well, rather than throwing anybody else on the bus, how about I throw my old self under the bus? Yeah, let's so, do that. 
I remember very clearly, you know, back in the day, what I would do to develop business is I'd walk buildings and I'd try to connect with companies that were in those buildings and convince them to help me help them renew their lease, relocate, whatever the case may be. So I remember one time walking into a building and, well, I'll just change the name. And I met Jane and Jane was a CFO for a fast growing technology company and she was outgrowing her space. She was the perfect profile client for me because she needed more space. She needed it fast. And so I said, yeah, I'd, be lo- I'd love to help you with your space needs. So what did I do? Well, in thinking about what she really needed and what would be ideal for her, it'd be to have low cost space, short term lease, lots of flexibility. But that would mean that I would make a lot less commission. So what did I do? I only showed her the most expensive properties around and told her those are the only ones that were available. And then once she picked one that she, she liked, then I talked her into a 10-year lease so I could get a double commission. And those kinds of things are prominent everywhere. You also, you know, you asked me earlier about what it, what it means to be a tenant occupier services firm. I think it's insane that it's still legal that companies, the big brokerage firms, can represent both sides of transactions, right? Like in the world of demanding more and more transparency, this idea of conflict of interest is real and it's coming. And so, so for me, I also have seen so much conflict where because so many of these firms get the majority of their revenue from representing the landlord or developer or real estate investor side, that's who they cater to. And these tenants that are really making up the revenue for these buildings, they get the short end of the stick and they get crappy leases, terrible lease terms, high rates. And they really get used as fodder for creating wealth on the real estate side. So what we're trying to do is bring transparency, authenticity, and bringing a real spirit of service to the industry, which has been lacking up into this point. And I I got one more example, if you wanted, of how I was ruthless inside. I remember a a buddy of mine that that worked in the cube next to me, and he had gotten a listing on a building. And so I took him out for drinks because I wanted to in quotations, get to know him. But the reality was, is I wanted to pick his brain on what are all the problems with this listing as if we were friends. And then the next day I took those problems and I walked the building and I talked to all the tenants in the building and I told them all the problems of the building and tried to get them to hire me to move them out of the building. So that was just commonplace. I mean, I remember, I remember having to go into conference rooms and then once I realized conference rooms were being listened to, then I would start taking all my important phone calls in the car because everybody's trying to overhear what the young guys are, are working on so they could call them or say, oh no, that's already a client or already have a relationship or something. So it's yeah. just this really cutthroat, ruthless, take no prisoners industry and my message is, you don't actually have to do all that. You can actually create success by just loving and serving other people. Yeah, I think that the, and I think those examples are really good ones because the, uh, it's not quite that, you couldn't do the same thing in residential real estate, right? Like there's so much information out there when somebody's saying, hey, here's the, they tell their agent, here's the six houses I want you to show me right? Like it would be a lot tougher to say, oh, instead of a $150,000 house, you need a $300,000 house. Totally. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book and it's just been published. Co-authored it with David Osborne, who's been on this show multiple times. If you don't know David, He is one of the top execs at Keller Williams Real Estate, was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself, and he's in all kinds of businesses. His bio and 
explanation and, and everything is in this book. But anyways, David and I got together. We decided to write a book. We called it Tribe of Millionaires. And I guarantee you, it's going to change your life. To find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. So, so let's unpack that commercial stuff a little bit more. So what are the ways that somebody makes money in commercial real estate? Because you're, you're not talking about buying and selling properties. You're talking about representation. But there are, but you know, commercial agents, they, do, they still do listings as buyers and, 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 and uh, buyers agents and sellers agents, um, like residential. But what are, what are the other ways or, or, or yeah. do, do they? What are the differences? It's really not that dissimilar. I mean, if you're, a, if you're an agent out there, right, you can help somebody build a ha- build a home right find the site and get a commission for that whether it's you know getting the the land fee and then bringing in a, a, a developer or someone to build it whether it's buying an existing home whether it's selling an existing home whether it's leasing a home so it's really not that different for us we as a firm and we do this all over the world where we work with you know mid market to large companies helping them create a real estate strategy around their their leases so a lot of times you know, especially it's weird to me that residential and commercial both carry the same moniker real estate after it because they are so very different. And we have a lot of great residential real estate agents that want to take care of their, you know, they, they, they help an executive find a home and then that executive as a company and they need help with their real estate. So we get a lot of referrals from residential brokers, but the way that we make money is very simple. We help companies lease space and that includes renewing leases, extending leases, downsizing leases. We help them negotiate out of leases. We help them with dispositions of properties that they own that they want to either sell or do some sort of sale lease back with. We do a lot of that kind of stuff. Monetizing assets when it's time. Um, we help them build and help project manage. So we also have a project management division that oversees everything from architecture to construction all the way through both on ground up and tenant improvements. So we're a full service firm working for the corporate user or companies that occupy space, but that don't use space, um, but that space isn't their their primary business, right? They, they're, they're occupiers, whether they lease, whether they own less material as what's the function within it, they're using it for their own company that's not a real estate investment firm. Yeah. So, the, so that makes a lot of sense. You know, as we get, so let's, you know, we want to jump into the nitty gritty. And a lot, of, a lot of these questions, you know, we usually ask, you know, for residential real estate, we'll say, you know, how many houses have you sold? What's your volume? But, the, but instead, you know, for, so for your commission structure, what's a, what's a recent deal you did? What was the commission on that? What's your, what's your gross commissions at this year? You know, what's the profit margin like in, in commercial real estate? Um, yeah, sure. How many clients have you been working with in the last year? That sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're a corporate services firm, which is another way of saying we help companies more than just one-off transactions, right? So we help portfolios of, we help companies with hundreds of leases all around the world, manage them, do all the things with them, right? So we're, we're a corporate services firm that only, occupy, only represents occupiers. For us, the volume is a little bit different than in residential in the sense that it's 
because there's such a disparity between a company that needs 5,000 square feet of office space on a three-year lease because they're a fast-growing company to a million square foot campus development that we take four years to help somebody uh, oversee, we track it based upon how many um, commissionable events we have and what the to totality of those are because there's such a, such a divergence on what the size are. You look at our retail practice and we help franchisees and franchisors roll out hundreds and thousands of facilities across the country. Now, a lot of these may be tiny, right? They may be a thousand square feet or 2000 square feet. And so the commission's seven grand or something like that versus a, a million dollar or $2 million commission on the other side. So for us, we also track it by headcount as well. So we're the largest tenant only firm, corporate services tenant only firm based out of Arizona. So we have 55 people today, which is really, really big for what we do. Most tenant firms in respective markets, even some of the bigger markets than Arizona, are significantly smaller. We're part of a, a global network of tenant-only firms called Exus Global, and we're by far the largest one in that. So, you know, we have a lot of volume. We have thousands of clients. The other thing about our business is, and it's, this, this is sort of similar to residential, but we don't, you know, our, our, our client relationships are long-term because if the leases tend to be between three and 10 years for our clients, we may not have, if they're a one-off user, we may not have something to do for them for three, four, five, six years. And so we have thousands of clients, but, but a percentage of those, call it 20% if you assume the average uh, lease span is five years, about 20% of those roll every year. And so it's uh, for us, scale, because we're looking to become a billion-dollar company, my mission is I want to save 5,000 commercial real estate brokers across the globe. I mean, that's a big vision, right? There's 5,000 brokers out there that are miserable in their current environments, that wish there was a better way, and they, there's no one with the culture like we've created where it's safe, where no one steals your leads, where we all collaborate together and we all work as a team. And so what we're, what we're doing as we scale and grow nationally and globally is looking for those individuals that are miserable in their current environment and wish there was an organization they could they could align with. So does that, does that answer your question? Is that yeah, helpful? Yeah, that, that, that is helpful. So the, um, so a, a, a couple little, little additions to that. So you talked about, well, it could be a, you know, a, a thousand square foot unit. So if you, if you find a client and they're going to pay, you know, they're, they're signing up for a, a commercial space, they're going to pay 4,000 a month and it's a three-year lease. What, um, what sort of commission are, are you getting? Oh, on sorry. That? Yeah. I didn't answer that part. Um, so typically the way that we're paid is, and it varies per market. Right, okay. real estate rules are very, very clear. There's no price fixing. There's, the, you know, so so yeah. So every market is a little bit different, but across the board, usually there are some norms, and those norms tend to be some percentage of the overall lease. If it's a sale, it's just like residential. It's a percentage. Sometimes it's two, three. It depends on the size. You know, if it gets really, really, really big, the it might be a point or less. Right, but. But on a traditional just commercial real estate office lease, for an example, let's say you have a 10,000 square foot office lease. There's often a fee somewhere between 3 and 5% to the tenant broker side 
of the of the value of that lease arrangement. Once you get past five years, those commissions usually split in half. And again, usually is not even an appropriate term. Often split yeah. in half, right? So through through a ten year lease term, we've seen a lot of times where it'll be say five percent for the first five years, and then two and a half percent for the second five years. That makes a lot of sense. So it's like every, everything's negotiable, right? And everything's you find, negotiable. Find but it's stuff. not like residential where, where usually with commercial, it's fixed into the listing agreement. You know, a lot of times in residential, it'd be like, well, if you don't have a, if you don't have a broker agent, you save money. In our business, if you don't have a tenant broker, typically the person on the other side is, is getting a double commission. Yeah, they're going to get the, that no matter what. So that's that good example of like when you talk somebody into a 10-year instead of a two-year, you're exactly. going to get five times the commission on that because it's going to be that total amount. So 10 years worth of payments. Now yeah. that's a, yeah. So and so the, can I respond to that real quick? Yeah. Because I think that's a really important point. So anybody that's listening would be like, well, why the heck would I ever do that, right? Like why would I take 20% of the commission I could have made if I'd have done the ruthless thing you did before, right? Here's why. Because... At some point during that 10-year lease, Jane said, wait a minute, what did I get myself into? And then somebody sends her a flyer for a property that's way less than what I presented. And guess what? Jane's no longer a client of mine. So I burned that bridge. And she's done some big deals now, right? So the, the, it's all about investing in the people. So it's about the long-term relationship. And that's why I said it's the long game because it's not this idea of, money today at all costs is this idea of creating an environment where people trust you and for people to trust you you have to do right by them so when we talk it's amazing we will get referred into companies all the time and i'll go listen to them and they'll say no 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 i do not think you should go buy a huge building and grow into it and they'll be like looking at me they're like but you make a lot of money if we do that i said i know but that's the worst possible thing you could do you need to do this and I'll help you make it flexible. We'll do short term. Next thing you know, they're a client for life. You know, they're like, they, and not only that, they go tell all their friends and they say, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what the Jonathan Kaiser, he talked me out of doing something that now that I see it would be the worst thing for me. So I think you create a competitive advantage over time by really taking care of people. Back when I was ruthless, I tried to convince everybody I wasn't full of shit and nobody believed me. Now all I do is try to help people and people say I'm a nice guy. And it's like, it's like, so by doing the right thing, you actually win. That's the whole point of my message is if you're playing the long game and you want true, extraordinary, long-term success, the very best way to do that is by taking care, extraordinary care of the people around you. And then those people become your empowered advocates or ambassadors in, in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, and that 10 year example with Jane is so perfect, right? Cause now you're saying, Hey, if, if every two years you're getting your, 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 you know, you're getting her to lease somewhere new, that's that perfect fit. You're still going to get that 10 years worth of commission. You got it. Right? And, <laughs> and that's the difference, right? So instead of getting paid big on day one, you're like, yes. no, I want to get paid forever. I want her to have a client be forever. So just, you know, every couple of years we'll do it that way. It's a great way to, uh, to kind of calculate that cash. So if somebody is listening and right now they're a residential agent and they're thinking about getting into commercial or they have a friend that wants to get an office space, what advice would you, would you give them for how to see, how to test that out, how to see if they actually like commercial real estate, if that might be something or, you know, how, how would they, how would they go about changing pattern, career patterns from residential to commercial? <laughs> my, my one word answer would be don't. Yeah. Because it is, it is not for the faint of heart. Most people can't, not only can't make it, not like they're not capable, but it's just such a, 
it's just, it's such a long sales cycle for people to really succeed. They have to start young when their expenses are low or they have to have a lot of money put away to really be able to weather the, the time it takes. And you have to, and you have to have a steel, steel nerve because it's wild rides. It's very high highs and very low lows. And so the successful brokers that we've seen are able to maintain the sort of steady as she goes while the world and you lose a huge deal, you gain a huge deal. And, and so that, that would be my first thing. Number two is it's, it's such a different kind of thing that I, you know, I have had residential people that I've given the opportunity to convert and not one of them has lasted. And we're a really great environment to do that in, but it's just because of the time frame, because of how much more competitive it is. And it's not necessarily that it is more competitive, but it's competitive at the highest levels. And so if you really want to compete at the best levels and get the real significant business, it is extraordinarily competitive. And, and so I would say if you have a high, high tolerance for pain, if you are willing to uh, endure at minimum of two to three years of making almost no money, and you really want to play long term, then it might be worth looking into. But for most people, they, 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 it's easier to get into residential. You can make money faster in residential, and it requires less. You know, it takes us 10 years to train a really good broker. And it's not until you hit like 15 or 20 years that you really have seniority to know how to navigate a lot of the more complicated projects out there. So again, it's easy to look at commercial real estate brokers and say, oh my gosh, those guys make a bunch of money. I want to get into that. Think twice before jumping into the shark tank. Right. So why, so why would somebody jump in? Why did you jump in? You jumped in because commercial brokerages were where the most money could be made? Yeah. Well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't come from residential, right? I, I went straight from school into it. And so I just stumbled into it. I stumbled into it because it. I, was, I was told that I should do it. And honestly, if, if I knew what I knew now, I probably would have done something different. But today we have, you know, it, it, it's not something that you leave at the office. You, you, it's, you're with it all the time. I personally love the business. I think it's amazing, but I'm a unique individual and most people don't agree. What I'm trying to do in the world is show people that there's a better way, right? The people here at Kaiser, they love the business. They love being a part of it. It's awesome. But we're this tiny little microcosm within an industry that for the most part tends to be filled with ruthless people. Now, there's a lot of money to be made. So if you want to make a lot of money and you're willing to wait a long time to do it and you're willing to work harder than you've ever worked and you're willing to be more vulnerable than you ever had to be because you have to, you have to really work on all the problems with your personality, problems with your, with your work ethic, problems with your, your behavioral patterns with other people. I mean, you have to become really good to, to succeed. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reek, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level. Listen, I've closed 100% of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. Now you can get the certified listing agent course. You can get the certified buyer agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. 
You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000, and we are running a special now at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat, $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com, futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Rockstar Nation. It is time to finish the year strong. The year is almost over, and it's time to sprint. You know, in my real estate career, I always doubled down at the end of the year because all of the other agents were not working during November and December, so I took full advantage. This is a great time to leverage yourself and hire a virtual assistant. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents at prospect, thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week. We're going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. So you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything. It's called Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And you can get it real easy. All you got to do is text the word HIBAN, H-I-B-A-N, to 31996. That's H-I-B-A-N to 31996. And download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you, guys. And I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. So I, th I think I know what you're going to say as the answer to my next question, but the, if you were going to tell a, a real estate, a, a residential agent, commercial agent, you know, maybe, a, maybe a mortgage broker, what is one thing they could instantly do to increase their production? Totally. Um, yeah, what would you do? I, I, it's, it's a great question. It's a very simple answer for me. It's with every single person you interface with, instead of trying to sell them, try to figure out three things you can do to help them. 
And to do that means you need to be very present, you need to listen, you need to ask probing questions, and try to find three ways that you could be of service to every single person you touch, asking for nothing in return. And I don't mean three ways like, hey, let me help you sell your house. That's self-serving. I'm saying three ways that are not connected to something that's in it for you to serve everyone around you. And then don't expect quid pro quo back. Just understand that this is a long game of serving people around you. And over time, those people appreciate it and reciprocate back to you. Yeah, I think that's great. I think the, yeah, anyone around you, try to find three ways to help them and, the, uh, and see, see what, what, what comes back later. So what, uh, Jim, what apps on your phone do you like? Is there, is, there a, is there an app on your phone that you use that helps you manage your life or, or, or that, you, that you really like? No, I use a lot of apps. My most recent one that I really like uh, on my hand. Oh, look, I still got the sticker. My daughter put this sticker on my hand this morning. I forgot it was even there. I haven't, for, my wedding ring is now the Aura ring. Oh, cool, yeah. It tracks my sleep and it tracks my activity. And it tracks my heart rate and my breathing and all those kinds of things. So it's been cool to, to put data on something as, as important as sleep. And I've been realizing that my sleep patterns have a certain habitual pattern that's less than ideal. And so I'm working on correcting that. So I live in the Aura app right now and see what, what everything. So last night, if I pull it up, last night I had a great night's sleep. I had uh, my REM sleep was significant. Let's see. It said... I was awake for one hour and six minutes. Now that includes my going to sleep time and my waking up time where I you know, don't quite jump out of bed. I was in REM sleep for an hour and 46 minutes. I had light sleep for three hours and 38 minutes and I was in deep sleep for one hour and 10 minutes. So that's about the right, the right amount. They, they, the, the app wants me to sleep a little bit longer than six hours and, and, and 34 minutes. But for the most part, all the, if you can see all the, they're all blue, which is blue is good. You don't want it to be red. If any of those are red, that means you're, you're missing out. And, and I've also realized, because I do a lot of activities at night and I'll have a glass of wine or something. I never knew this before, but the number one thing that uh, causes, the reason why drinking at night is, is, is bad for sleep is because your heart rate doesn't adjust down as fast. And so if your heart rate is not adjusting down as fast, you're not getting as restful of sleep and you're not, you're not going into, into deep sleep. I never even knew that, right? And so little things like that to try to navigate the health is, is kind of fun. Yeah, man, I, I love the technology that we can use to track stuff like that. The, and you start to notice that if you drink more water during the day, your, your resting heart rate goes down than if you did. And the, uh, I don't have the ring. I, my Garmin watch does a lot of the same stuff. And does the, it? Yeah, it is, it is, it's super cool to be able to say like, oh, I, I ate this today and I ended up sleeping better or I, I did this and you can really have some, yeah, you know, as people, you know, entrepreneurs or people in business, something that you can measure really helps you make decisions, right? You might go, oh, people say drink more water, but then you actually get to you know, see something that, that results like, oh, I slept better and my heart rate was lower. Well, that's, that's great. It's amazing. Then you feel better the next day and you do better, right? Yeah. So if you were going to give someone uh, a rookie agent, so somebody just coming, just coming into to commercial real estate or real estate or residential, you know, so first year at it, what would be uh, other than the, is there something other than the, the helping people that you would give them as advice to really crush their first year? Yeah. One, you got to think big, right? So a lot of people come in and they, they feel like they got to play at a really low level because they don't have the credibility to do more. And I just, fundamentally disagree with that. I think where you set your sights are where you're going to play to, right? When, when I started Kaiser, I said, we're going to be a billion dollar company that, that, that saves lives. Save, and we've now said saves 5,000 brokers from misery. That, that's a big, hairy, audacious goal when you're a startup that hasn't even gotten there 
you know, their first office space. So I think it's thinking big and then thinking who are those people that if I connect with would be able to impact me significantly and then thinking how do I serve them? I think the biggest thing though is, is people I think don't understand the amount of work that the top producers put in. At the end of the day, it's hard, hard work. It's, and, 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 it's, and it's nonstop. So if you really want to succeed, it's just a function of how much you're willing to put in, how much time you're willing to put in. And then with that time, how do you make sure you're as efficient, as effective as possible, right? And so for me, it doesn't mean, you, know, you don't have to be ruthless to win. doesn't mean it's not the four-hour work week, right? No, right? no offense, Tim Ferriss, but it's not that. It's, this is about this is about working hard. Serving people takes a lot of work. You have to really be willing to listen and care, and then you have to follow up and do those things. And so working really, really hard and not giving up. You know, most people in commercial real estate quit between 12 and 18 months into the business. And I always say that's such a waste because, you know, you, that's usually when people start getting the, the traction. And then, you know, after a couple of years, they start making money. So it's darkest just before the dawn kind of concept. And so you have to have that stick to itiveness. I remember when I started in the business, uh, the guy that I worked for, he said, he goes, I made a commitment that I was going to make it in this business regardless. Even if I had to work Wendy's at night just to pay the bills, I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to give up. And I think it takes that level of tenacity and stick to to really make it because, like I said, it's very, very discouraging. You put a lot of time into things and then that, that don't materialize. And especially when you're younger, that's, that, that, that's hard to take because it starts to feel like, man, what did I do? This is impossible. But that's part of the, that's part of the game. Yeah, I, I love that. I think everybody that's been successful that, that, you know, that we interview at different times, like the darkness before the dawn is that big turning point. When I went to start my own company, it was like, you know, I'd, I'd gone and gone and gone. And then all of a sudden there wasn't any savings left. And we couldn't do it. And it was like, wow, I'm going to have to apply to, uh, for a job. If it, if it doesn't work this week, then I got to go apply for a job somewhere else now. And yep. so the, you know, so that, that, that keep going and, and, and being ready and also working hard. I think that's great advice for anybody new at anything right? Whether it's real estate or any other business, when you, when you first get started in something, you need to, you need to outwork people. You need to get there first. You need to leave last. You need to, you need to make that happen. The, um, so you talked early about uh, that conference you went to and kind of hearing this new concept and going for it. So was that the big turning point? Did anything happen before that or after that that really was like, I'm doing this. This is, this is my shift. You know, was yes. it, yeah, what was that? Yeah, my big epiphany was in 2012, which I kind of mentioned briefly, but you know, I, I was at the point where I was really, really frustrated. I was, I was doing very well financially. I was, um, you know, making over a million dollars a year, but I was, I, I was consistently frustrated feeling like I was not able to, to really scale what I was doing because of the environment I was in, because of the construct of the firm that I was working at at the time. And I felt like this, this really needed a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I, I went to Sedona for those who are familiar with Sedona, Arizona. It's, it's a special place. It's a, supposedly at the core vortex. Magic, I don't, right? I don't, know, I don't know if I'm a vortex guy or not, but it worked for me. So I guess, um, and, and I just had this epiphany where I realized that what I was up to was bigger than me and that I'd stumbled across something that actually truly had the opportunity to change the world, to actually transform commercial real estate brokerage and business in general, as we know it. And from that moment, that, 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 that decision that I was going to do that, 
I've never wavered. So that was, that was the big turning point for me. The first big turning point was deciding I was going to shift from ruthless to selfless. And that was a long process, by the way. That wasn't an overnight process. And I teach people how to do it in my book. You don't have to be ruthless to win. But then shifting to, okay, now I'm going to build a company around these principles. So I wrote down 15 cooperating principles in that, in that epiphany in Sedona where they were just rough ideas of all the things that I wished were true about commercial real estate. And then we turned those into the principles that we use to govern this firm. And they're things like we never punish mistakes and we're a family and we protect and serve each other and we're 100% coachable and we're 100% present. So we have a very principle-based uh, company here. And I think that's part of it too. Yeah. Knowing where your values are can really help you in all your decisions. Yeah. I had got some good advice once that said, when you're coming up with your company values, you want to be able to hire or fire based on those values, like be able to go, Hey, were you following this value when that was, when that was happening? Yes. A couple really, a couple, you know, quicker questions. So the, are you an audiobook guy or a regular book guy? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Actually, interesting, interesting point is I talk fast, obviously for anybody listening on this podcast and when I did the Audible, I did my own Audible for You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. And so it's available on Audible. And it's in my voice. But it was crazy how slow they made me go. And so if anyone is listening to it at normal, I mean, it's maddening. Yeah. For a guy like me, it's like, and so you have to listen to it at 2x. So I, I usually listen to most books at between 175 and, and 2x because my brain processes things so fast. Well, it's just a way to way to get more done. That recording your own audiobook, that is a bunch of effort for the uh, for you know my wife and I's book. She she did the recording for that and went down for a few days and it was It's not easy. It, it, it is no joke. Yeah. Seems like it'd be so simple, but it's the opposite of that. Yeah, it's not just yeah, reading, but it's like holding the same posture and and, and getting that knocked out. Uh, favorite books. What are your what are your top 3 favorite books? Think and Grow Rich. That's an amazing book. Uh, Conscious Capitalism, my good friend John Mackey. Um, with Whole Foods, who's been a mentor to me through the conscious capitalism movement. Never Eat Alone, another good friend of mine, Keith Ferrazzi, talks about building relationships and investing in people. The book, one of the books that really changed, I, and again, I'm, I'm a book fiend, so I love a lot of books, but one of the books that really changed my life was The Story of You by Steve Chandler. Steve Chandler was my first coach, and it's an extraordinary book, and it talks about a lot of things. Uh, it's no longer in print, so if people may have a hard time finding it, but there's also a really, uh, anything by Steve Chandler is amazing, but Reinventing Yourself is an amazing book too by Steve Chandler. And so it's this whole idea of mindset and not being a victim and, 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 and creating. And again, a lot of those principles, you know, success principles I put in my book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. That's so good. That's so good. The, uh, so Ed, for all the listeners that want to that find you, they want to they hear more, more from Jonathan Kaiser, where, what is the best way for them to follow along with what you're doing, get more info, download the book, all that stuff? Sure. Um, ruthlessbook.com. You could also connect with us on Instagram. You can connect with us on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Our company is kaiser.com, K-E-Y-S-E-R.com. Um, for th- people that are interested in the Institute, you can get it through kaiser.com or through ruthlessbook.com. And, you know, I'll often, often I'm asked to speak. And so for the right, for the right uh, events, I, I'm also happy to speak to people and you can get access to us through, you can get to us I, through either of those sites, whether it's ruthlessbook.com. We also have jonathankaiser.com uh, or just kaiser.com. K-E-Y-S-E-R. So if people want to find you, they'll be able to find you. We'll put a bunch of those links on here. Track me down. 
Yes. The, well, Jonathan, it was really fun to get to talk to you today and, and get to hear more you know, about a new kind of perspective on real estate, getting to go into commercial and leases and representing you know, occupants and kind of how that business works. And I especially liked you being able to say, hey, you got into commercial real estate because you wanted to be rich, right? You grew yeah. up in service. Then you got into that because you wanted to be rich because it was also hard to be in service and not be able to buy the things that you want and live that life. And then you figured out a way to bring those both together and go, hey, you can be successful and be nice. And it doesn't mean you're weak. And now you've built this whole system on it, the, the Ruthless to Win and the, and the Institute. I can't wait to go see more of what you've got. And, uh, and thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. And I, and I, I appreciate your uh, interest in reading the book because I think you'll find it a very easy read. And it, 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 it kind of sucks you in, I'm, I'm told. So, Very good. Well, I, I, I cannot wait. So thanks again. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on a million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show, and we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.